1: mm mm-hmm. Welcome to Still Surviving and Walking in Your Purpose. I'm your host, Gigi Blackshear. Courage is the ability to keep moving forward, even in the face of adversity. Not only is our next guest courageous, but she has a dogged determination to not be defined by the circumstances and situations of life. Please welcome to our show, Nadia Ramatar. Nadia, welcome.
2: My pleasure. Thanks for having me.
1: So, Nadia, tell our audience, who is Nadia Ramatar?
2: That's a great question. And I try to ask myself that almost daily because I think we're always changing and growing. And redefining ourselves. And redefining ourselves, yes. yeah. And I also think the dangerous part is we get caught up in our labels
1: yeah, and we get caught like up in our that.
2: titles, and then we start drinking our own Kool Aid. Mm. Um, so we got to be careful of that. <laughs> I love um, that. Yeah, but um, basically, in a nutshell, I was um, born in Dublin, Ireland. Mm-hmm. My father is from Trinidad in the West Indies, and my mother is Irish. And I was born in Dublin. My family immigrated to America when I was a teenager, and um, I went to the University of Florida. Mm-hmm. And I've. I uh, worked in media a lot of years and uh, worked in different aspects, and then I became a college uh, professor when I had uh, my first son. And so I've been writing, making documentaries, working in the media, being a parent. Wow. Been been busy. Yeah. So
1: I do a lot of things. Okay. Okay. I call that juggling and tap dancing at the same Absolutely. time. Absolutely. Sounds like you've got it down to a science. Oh, well,
2: I often think of it like uh, twirling plates. Like you're yes. Like you all going at one time <laughs> and trying to keep them in the air. Oh, I
1: love it. I love it. So, Nadia, share with us your survival story.
2: Okay. Um, when I was in uh, college at the University of Florida, mm-hmm. I was a journalism major. So I, my goal in life was to be a news anchor.
1: Mm-hmm. I really That's
2: what I really wanted to uh-huh, do. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, I was covering a city commission meeting and Mm -hmm. I had gone to the uh, city meeting, I had recorded things, interviewed people, and I had gone back Mm -hmm. to the station to record my news story for the next morning. What I didn't know is that someone had been following me and had been stalking me. Yeah, so I came out of the building um, and I went to my car and as I got in my car, Completely by surprise, this man pulls back the door, and um, I'd never seen him before. I didn't know who he was. I didn't know what's going on. I'm like 19 years old.
1: Oh my goodness!
2: Straight off the boat from Ireland, didn't have a clue what was going on. um, It was really strange, and he did something really odd, which apparently is a thing that people will do in these situations. Is he said, "Do you know where Beatty Towers is, which is a dorm?" And I was like, "Yeah." Like what are yeah. you asking me for you know and i and I intuitively tried to pull my door, so you pulled back the door and you punched me in the face, oh my, and I had never experienced violence like that, you know I had no something some you know a grown man who i didn't know punching me
1: oh my goodness, straight in the
2: face was just something I had never experienced in my whole life right um, so he basically um got in my car literally on top of me, and um I mean it's a moment when all your you know everything. You you just kind of like, what is going on? What is on? happening? Like, what is this? You yes. know, what what is going on here? But there's yes. something within you, I think, that clicks into survivor mode. And mm-hmm. you know, since then, I've heard of women and men say, "Well, I just played dead because I didn't know what else to do." Mm. But me, you know, my Irish mother's in my head, like. You'll you'll have to kill me first. Yeah, you
1: better fight. Yeah, and so basically,
2: he beat me pretty badly until I passed out. Oh my goodness! He like banged my head against the car door until I passed out and I lost consciousness. So when I came around, we were driving down a street Uh in my car.
1: Oh my goodness!
2: And he was holding my hands, but I had a five-speed, and I'm telling you, it's the craziest experience because you you, your your senses become so alert. Mm Mm-hmm. And. Mm -hmm. Somewhere in my in my brain I said he's going to have to change the gear at some point. Yeah. So when he plays when he goes to change the gear, you jump out of the car. Oh my. So he went to change the gear, I jumped out of a moving car. Wow. And I started to run and I and I mm-hmm. and I had blood on my face, my shirt was ripped open. You know, it was crazy and I was running down the road, and I I probably would have qualified for the Olympics because I was incredibly fast. But next thing I realized is he's running behind me.
1: Oh my goodness.
2: And so I am trying to wave down cars. It's 11 o'clock on a college campus, you know, on a Tuesday Mm. night, and no one's stopping because they're like, whoa, look at that crazy girl covered in blood, you know? So I uh, waved down cars, no one would stop. And so I finally decided I would rather get hit by a car than this guy catch me. Yes. So I literally stood in front of a truck and put my hands out, oh And a man stopped, and he was a volunteer firefighter. Mm. And um, I remember um, just being like a wild animal. Yeah. And I said to him, he said to me, who did this to you? And, um, and I said, I don't know, but I need to go to the police station. So he, um, he said, I- I'm going to find him. And I could see him. I could see him in the bushes watching me. And he I was still like, there. He was still there. Oh, my. And I was like, I, you know, no, no. I was like, you have to take me to the police station. And he was like, okay. And I said, why are you out? And he said, I'm delivering pizzas. And I said, well, show me your pizza bag. Like, it's amazing. Your brain is just so amazing. Yeah. I was like, if you're really delivering pizzas, show me your pizza bag. So he shows me these del- pizzas. And those poor people never got their pizzas, by the way. So he shows me the pizzas. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to get in this truck. Mm. And if you... Take your hand off that steering wheel. I'm going to jump out of this car. I've already jumped out of the car. Oh, my. And he was like, honey, it's okay. I'm a firefighter. And he was like six foot five. He was like, honey. And he was very good with me. He was very calm. So he drove me to the police station. And uh, the minute I hit the police station, I just became completely hysterical. Yeah. But the uh, police officers went and found him. Getting, trying to get in another woman's car. Oh, my. Yeah, like um, that's what he did. He basically left where I was and he went to the next one. And so then I ended up having to go through a trial. Um, Because he was a third-time felon, he was... um,
1: And this was at 19.
2: Yeah, I was 19. Oh, my. Threw me in a tailspin. But what was strange for me was that I was treated like I was some kind of hero Mm. because I had survived um, and I went through a trial, and he was convicted. And so it was kind of one of those weird situations where everyone's like, wow, you're so brave, and you survived. And I was like, well, why Did do I feel, feel so Did you feel brave? Bad? No. Yeah.
1: yeah. I didn't feel
2: brave. I didn't yeah. know what to feel. And yeah. honestly, no one knew what to do with me. Mm-hmm. Like, they didn't really know what to say. And actually, one of the most damaging things was one of my uncles said to me, well, you're a pretty girl. Something like that was bound to happen. Oh, my. And I know that he was trying to help somehow, but I think what he did was put this um, pressure on me that I had somehow
1: been responsible. Been
2: responsible for that, and I think that was very damaging. Yeah. But I went on, uh, got got um, didn't become a news anchor, didn't want to be a news anchor anymore. Yeah. Didn't know what to do, uh, so I ended up getting a PhD in communications, mm-hmm. and uh, I've been teaching communications and really studied gender communication and trying mm-hmm. to make sense, um, at trying to empower people, help them find their voice. And of course, um, I've been teaching college, so I've been around that age group that I was when I had my incident happen.
1: What do you think was inside of you that allowed you to survive that? Because I imagine that that ha- had happened to other women, mm-hmm. that happened to other people, and they were not able to survive. So what do you think?
2: Well, one of the things that I think definitely from a practical perspective was my mother had put me in Taekwondo as a young girl. Mm. So I did have some, 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 like, scratch him inside the mouth, poke him in the eye. Right. And the police officers would tease me during the trial, and they kept calling me Rocky, because they said he came out looking worse than I did, because I fought back. You
1: fought back.
2: And I'm going to say that I don't think that was a conscious choice. I think there was something within me that wanted to Fight live. Fight or flight.
1: I wanted to yeah. live. Yeah. I
2: mean, I really wanted to live.
1: Yeah. And yeah. I think
2: ever since it happened, every day has been a bonus.
1: When you talked about running, you know, jumping oh, yeah. out of the car and yeah. running. and
2: a pair of high heels down a I street. imagine
1: that that was pure adrenaline yeah.
2: that was driving you. That, the police actually told me I had one shoe on. I had wow. one high heel. The other high heel was back in the parking lot somehow. And I just oh, didn't my. care. I was just going to live.
1: Nadia, why is it important for you to tell your story now?
2: Um... Every time I tell this story, someone somewhere says, um, maybe I was molested as a child, or Mm. I was raped by on a date, Mm. or um, somebody robbed me. Um, and I think what I do is I give a voice to those who maybe didn't have the stranger attack that I had,
1: yes, in other words,
2: I'm a victim of violent, a violent crime, right? Mm -hmm. Um, but I didn't know the person before it happened, and I don't have to have a relationship with him afterwards. You don't
1: have to ever see him or know about him again. I check,
2: I check the website to make sure he's in jail every now and then. Wow. But um, I, I think from my perspective, there's a lot of people who are dealing with abuse uh, from husbands, uh, family members, things like that. And I think what I'm able to do is perhaps let people know that there is life after this kind of betrayal. There is life after this kind of violence. There is life. There is life. After, because what I have is post traumatic stress disorder.
1: Mm. So there
2: are things that give me PTSD. Right. Uh, there are things that I can't watch. There are situations I can't be in. But over the years, uh, through therapy and through assistance and through self awareness and through spirituality, I've found an inner peace and I'm able to overcome or transcend some things. But you never. You never fully get away. You You never never get over it. You can't can't cure it. It's it's not something that will ever entirely leave me. Yeah. But I'm able to find comfort in helping other people.
1: Nadia, thank you so much for sharing your story. And I think that's a great place to stop, to have the courage and the ability to help others. So thank you so much for sharing your story with us. Nadia's story just shows us what great courage can do. Even though bad things happen, it doesn't have to be the end of your life. You can continue on, and you can come out stronger on the other side, even of traumatic um, circumstances or situation. Nadia demonstrated great courage in being able to survive, but also being able to then take the thing that happened to her and use it to help someone else. So, if you're out there and you have experienced something similar to what Nadia has gone through, just know that your life is not over, that is not the end of your story. Um, not only can you survive, but you can also thrive. Thank you, Nadia. Thank you. Next, we're going to hear from mental health counselor Erica Arnold. We're back with mental health counselor Erica Arnold. Erica, welcome to our show.
0: Thank you. I'm so happy to be here.
1: Thank you for coming. Erica, after listening to Nadia's story, share with us um, what you think, what you believe the effects of a traumatic experience like that would be for a young person, a 19 year old.
0: Well, at any age, it has a, a major effect on mm-hmm. a person's functioning.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: specifically, it can transform the functioning of the brain and actually change the pathways, therefore creating Mm. more anxiety, Mm -hmm. uh, symptoms of depression, and things of that nature, as well as triggering those trauma responses that may be related to the event or not related. Mm -hmm. Uh, Nadia spoke of being reminded of the event by certain circumstances or certain events. Right. And those are triggers Triggers. that can exist indefinitely and even with treatment can only be uh, minimized and not altogether extinguished.
1: Mm -hmm. One of the things that she said was that, that that will never be cured, that it will always be a part of her. And just the thought of at not having something that traumatic at 19 and then having to live the rest of your life with that and not really knowing what might trigger those memories or what might take you back to that place again can be pretty devastating.
0: Absolutely. And I think that's why treatment is so important mm-hmm. as early as possible. Mm-hmm. And again, it's very important that a person is, is ready to engage in that treatment mm-hmm. because it can be re-traumatizing to go through some of the traumatic events and memories Mm -hmm. which is part of the process Uh, prolonged exposure therapy is one of the best treatment therapies for PTSD and other trauma related Mm -hmm. incidents Mm -hmm. Um, and the processes that a person tells his or her story a multitude of times Mm -hmm. now of course before they can do that they need to have coping mechanisms in place mm. in order to be able to deal with any symptoms that may arise. Mm-hmm. And I think having those coping skills in place is what helps them going forward. To be able to so move those forward. memories may be triggered, those thoughts and traumatic events may be triggered and, and come back up, but if a person has good coping mechanisms, mm-hmm. they will know how to deal with those symptoms as they arise. Mm-hmm. And
1: ongoing treatment? Yes, and ongoing, ongoing treatment.
0: And treatment. Um, there's another treatment called EMDR, and mm-hmm. it's a really interesting treatment for trauma, mm-hmm. and it deals with eye movement desensitization and reprocessing, okay. and it literally is a reprocessing of the way the brain functions to overcome the trauma. So okay. it's, it's something that absolutely must be addressed if a mm-hmm. trauma has occurred, um, I've seen with children, they may not be ready to deal with the trauma mm. until they're much older mm-hmm. but even at that point it's never too late to work on not only learning the coping mechanisms to deal with the symptoms but to take the power away from the the power that the event or the traumatic situation has had on them and over them since its occurrence. Okay. So that's what therapy is sort of, you know, what the the point of it is. Designed really, to do, right. To take the power away from the traumatic situation.
1: Mm-hmm. So what would you recommend or what would you suggest to someone that may have been involved in a traumatic incident or situation, but may not have gotten help, that may still be trying to deal with it on their own? Are there some resources, some a number that they can call or a contact person that you could give someone that might be dealing with something like that?
0: Sure. Um, There are sexual assault facilities. There's Mm -hmm. one in Jacksonville, uh, the Sexual Assault Response Center. Also in St. Augustine, there's the Betty Griffin House. And they do Mm -hmm. offer counseling as well as group counseling for, they offer individual and group for individuals who've experienced sexual assault or domestic violence. Uh, also a person can research therapists who are trained in either prolonged exposure therapy trauma focused cognitive behavioral therapy or EMDR which is the process I explained earlier Mm -hmm. and those are all great um, researched treatments Mm -hmm. that can work on reducing those trauma symptoms
1: okay Erica, thank you so much for providing that information for our guests. Absolutely. Um, if you have experienced any type of traumatic experience, be it physical violence or sexual abuse, um, please know that there is help to be found for you. Um, the resources that Erica has provided, um, and also go to someone and talk to someone about it. Don't You don't have to feel like you're alone or that you're going to be judged or or somehow blamed for what happened. We know that bad things happen all the time, but there is help to be found and you can survive. Not only can you survive, but like in Nadia's case, you can thrive. Thank you so much for watching our show.